This is a Bulldog Radio Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome. Two words. We're back. It is the Shot Caller Summer Collaboration Crossover, the most valuable sports podcast and mics and takes for Bulldog Radio Sports. I am Brandon Worth, and I am joined as always by my co-host, Joe Nagy. What's up, Joe? What's up, Brandon? And I'm Travis. I'm Hicks. Mike's and takes with uh, Barrett Jones, and I'm very happy to be back with you guys. I am missing, it was basically one half because, you know, Barrett's not here, but, uh, you know, I'm back to join with you guys. In Season 2 of uh, Shot Callers, we're very happy to be back. Last summer was a great uh, stepping stone. This summer, we plan to give you guys more fire content. Oh, Absolutely. Always. Content is king, right, Joe? Content is king. That's content been a tagline. But as you guys can see on the bottom line, we have all of our topics here. Some NFL, NBA, MLB, and even a debate at the end of the show. And promise me this, you will want to stick in tune for that. Because I'm sure we'll have some hot takes on who the most exciting athletes in the world are. But before we get started, quick shout out to Bulldog Radio for making this possible. Without them, we wouldn't be able to make our podcast. So shout out to them. If you want to learn more about them, check out their social media pages, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Right in we go. Boys, we are talking some NFL draft. And frankly, the Lions, I, how did they do, guys? I'll be honest, I think they did pretty well. But I want to hear your guys' thoughts first. Lions weren't too bad. I mean, I was listening to, I forget which podcast it was, but Dan Campbell was on it. And he was like, he was happy with the draft. And he was saying how they kind of were draft, had the more of the approach of get the get the best guy available but hopefully he or like have him fill a need kind of and we when they drafted Panace too well it's like okay well that's a, I like the pick but I don't love it I think I said that when we did our like, I think I said that we were in studio Brandon I said that a couple of times but like he still is a it's a solid pickup he can really protect Jared Goff and not to mention I mean we got Amon Ross St. Brown who's an absolute dog out of USC his dad was Mr. Olympia he trained him since he was like basically out of the womb so I'm really excited for what we have because I think it's just a lot of dogs who are just going to embody what Detroit stands for. And to also have Dan Campbell adopt like the Detroit versus everybody attitude and have the bite your kneecaps off mentality. I, I'm really looking forward to the season, especially with Jared Goff at the helm. I think it'll be a nice game. I definitely, um, Joe, you make good points as always. I love your own. Thanks, you and Brandon. I think... Though it was a decent draft pick, it could have been a lot better. I believe when I was on your guys' show, I told you I wanted a quarterback. I think Justin Fields, you know, he was available. The Bears sadly got him. Now we got to face him twice a year. I think that's what we really, I really wanted, and I really think that they needed. I do like Jared Goff. He has a good playoff pedigree. He also was a guy who went to the Super Bowl two years ago. But I just think we either needed that or a wide receiver because – the, like um, Devontae, you know, was available, and other guys were just available because this this was a draft heavy class. I, in my opinion, this was the best draft class since 2017. So, I know it's only four year difference, but I think we could have been a little bit better. But it wasn't bad. So, like, we're definitely in the right direction, and I think golf can definitely lead us to um, above 500 records. So overall, I like it. We did end up drafting wide receiver and another running back because obviously, as you guys know, Carryon Johnson is no longer with us. So, um, I think we're definitely moving though in the right direction. 
Yeah, carry on. I I was a little sad because I was very high on carry on when he was drafted. And obviously, I'll eat my words for that. But I mean, still, we got DeAndre Swift and you can't be any more happy about him because his potential through the ceiling. But no, I think this draft class was honestly great. I mean, the biggest thing that we mentioned on the show that I think everybody would agree with that as far as Lions fans with this draft, the first couple rounds weren't flashy. They they really weren't. We went on the we went in the trenches. We went and got a stud offensive line, then followed it up with two defensive line picks. No flashy receivers, running backs, corners, anything like that. So obviously there's that there's that aspect where it doesn't look as good. But I think this was a great start for Holmes and Campbell because they established that they want to win this game with toughness and in the trenches, and that's exactly what they did with their first three picks. I mean, it was a pretty interesting draft, and I mean. I think the one thing I would agree uh, in one retrospect with you, Travis, that the wide receiver, I did expect us to go probably second round with a receiver, but then obviously we went with Owens Riki, who's very good. I mean, that dude just likes to mess things up. Um, he used different language in his press conference, but I won't repeat that because, you know, it's a family-friendly show. But, I mean, in the end of the day, I mean, that dude's a dog as well, but... Uh, I mean, getting him on Ross St. Brown in the fourth round, that's a great pickup. He had a third and even maybe to some analysts, a second round grade on him. So they definitely had some value there. And I think that's what the Lions got a lot of the time. I think that was a steal. Yeah, I mean, he's great. He was one of the best receivers at USC. And obviously that has, USC is a school that's produced great receivers, aka Juju Smith-Schuster. So um, definitely the one pick that surprised me a little bit was Derek Barnes. I hadn't really heard about Derek Barnes. I know he, uh, he was out of Purdue. Uh, he's a little bit of a hybrid backer, plays edge a little bit, and then also transferred to middle linebacker. Um, seeing his press conference, seeing his tape, I really like him a lot because I obviously, I honestly was at a track meet uh, on on Saturday when the, the last rounds were taking place, and we were on the clock in the fourth round, and we made up that trade, and I was like, oh my goodness, are we going to go get Jabril Cox? Because he was available at LSU. And then we see Derek Barnes, and I'm like, Who's Derek Barnes? Like, who is this guy? I've never heard of this guy. Then I looked into him. The guy's a class act. He's a great football player, very versatile, great leader. Um, that's probably one of my one of the picks that I was shocked about, but I really like. And then Jamar Jefferson is a flyer in the seventh round because he frankly fell off the board into our hands. And really, that just kind of, oh, sorry, carry on. We got this dude who's a mm-hmm. stud that can take it to the house potentially. I know you can pass block really well, but... Of course, we're going to have him learn to pass block, and he can also take it to the house. So, I mean, those pick, I think this was a great draft for the Lions. I think um, I think the A-minus grade that I think was really popular makes sense. Probably maybe more of a B-plus standard because it wasn't flashy. Um, quarterback will be interesting. I would agree with that. I think that we definitely have to look at quarterback down the road. But I think they're showing trust in Jared Goff, which I appreciate because if they would have went quarterback in the first round, I would be saying, why do we have... Jared Goff on the team anyway with that that yeah. point why wouldn't we get somebody like a maybe even like a Ryan Fitzpatrick type guy not necessarily saying we'd get Fitzmagic I would absolutely love that mm-hmm. but why wouldn't we get a guy for like that for cheap to groom somebody like Fields the fact that we paid all the way up took the cap of Jared Goff made me assume that they are committing to him this year one thing I really thought was interesting you know we didn't get a quarterback I understand why you might put your trust in Jared Goff. He is only 26, and this is a guy who just won a playoff game with a broken thumb in Seattle, one of the toughest places to win the NFL. So I think they really believe he can do this, especially since he's proven it in the NFC. And as much as I used to slander our old guy Stafford, I wish him the best, but I do think Goff can 
kind of give us a different direction because a quarterback is really what that's the most important position in football you need that to win games i know people say defense wins championships but usually the super mvp is a quarterback in most cases not all cases but most so i think golf can be that guy i think this is kind of like a trial run i kind of think this year we're going to kind of see what he can do with the weapons that we have then it's not a good season we'll just say like we go eight and nine or just like 7-10, and 10, something like that, they might try to get another quarterback next year. I do think they want to give Golf at least a year or two just because he is in the middle of his prime. Yeah, I like how you said it was kind of a trial season because it's going to kind of – I feel like we're just going to base like what we need off of Jared Goff's performance. If he does well, then we'll kind of build around it. If not, then maybe we'll get a quarterback next year. Who knows? But I think the, the best thing for us to do now is just kind of make it so that way he has as many weapons as he needs. Because we have some guys in the trenches that can do south. We just defense. We have Amon We have TJ Hawkinson, who also was a big target last year. I think now tossing Jared Goff, who is a little bit more mobile than Matt Stafford, so we kind of have a little bit more versatility. But to kind of base off our success, really, I think is what's going to kind of project our Jared Goff's success. I think is going to project what we're going to be doing in next year's draft, most likely. Yeah, for sure. I think receiver wise. Not as much depth as we've had past. I mean, we don't have Marvin Jones. We don't have Kenny Galladay, of course. So there definitely is lighter in that department. But I think the one thing to note is for the people that, um, like myself, that really were like, oh, we're going to draft a right receiver early, and we didn't, the statistics show that receivers have success even though they're not drafted in the first three rounds. There are so many guys that you can get, a.k.a. Julian Edelman, undrafted guy, and now look where he's at. There's still Super plenty of talent to go around as far as the receiver position is. But we will definitely look how the Lions are going to do this year. Uh, moving into some other teams, guys, uh, some notable teams that you thought dominated this draft, winners of this year's 2021 draft. I got to say the 49ers. I really love what they did. I think Trey Lance is the guy for the future. I think this team, as we saw... They went to the Super Bowl and was literally a throw away from dethroning Mahomes and the Chiefs. Jimmy Jimmy Garoppolo just made one bad pass. I think this is going to make Jimmy, it's going to be one or two things. It's either going to make him work and push to be the guy in San Francisco and get them to where they were in the 2019 season, or it's going to give a chance by week six, I'm saying, or week seven, Trey Lance can come in and take over. And the best part about this, Trey Lance is 20. So the amount of growth that he has is, is unbelievable. His ceiling you know, can only be reached, you know, in just the years to come. So I think he is going to be a great talent. I really like what they did just because I think a lot of people are throwing them under the radar. They're very underrated because of the season that they had this year and the pandemic, a lot of injuries and stuff. But George Kittle and all these guys back, the 49ers are going to be back in the mix in the NFC. I definitely believe it. Regardless if Trey Lance starts or not, I think the 49ers are a team to watch out for. I like what they did in the draft. Did you imagine the just like the ripple effect if that caught, pass was caught if Jimmy G oh, didn't yeah. overthrow it? Holy cow! Andy Reid would have been zero and three in the in the uh, in the it's Super Bowl. Wild. Could that have made Andy Reid be on the hot seat? That's the thing. That's the thing that always makes me wonder. Is like because I saw That's like crazy. an Instagram thing, but just like what could have been if that pass was caught. Andy Reid was always a coach who was like the to, to your point, Joe, the greatest coach to never win. Yeah, but you guys would have probably ate me alive because I really think I'm not for sure. I think I was one of the only ones out of all of us with like Baird and Logan to pick the Chiefs to win that game. A lot of people thought the 49ers were going to win mainly because you know their defense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 49ers were scary. It's, yeah, they were winning that game. The only. Yeah, it's 
It's it's bizarre. It's like that's like the one crazy thing, especially with just with a bunch of different sports stuff going on. It's like, what like if there's one thing that changed, like if like a strikeout happens in baseball rather than a base hit, or like if a pass gets caught or if a tackle is made, like what could really happen to a game? Like what could that change in the near future? It's true. Like that's honestly a good topic. We should definitely have one day like a bunch of what ifs, because like a lot of guys' careers would change by just one simple play. So that's mm-hmm. a very good point, Joe. Very true. What if uh, Hayward made that buzzer beater against Duke, eh? Oh, oh brother. That would be nuts. <laughs> David Tyree doesn't haul it down with his helmet. <sighs> Brady might have eight rings. Yeah. There you go. Oh, man. Just We'll have to You're do a what-ifs right, episode. Brandon. You'll definitely right. could have a what-ifs episode. Uh, Joe, one of your winners, 2021 NFL Draft. Um, I can, I don't know. I can definitely say... I honestly don't know, really. I wanna. I I'm just gonna be a homer. I think Lions. I think we won our draft. Okay. It's one of That's our best fair. drafts we had in a while. I mean, we we didn't get exactly who we wanted, but I think we did best for our circumstances. Seven is historically not the best spot to be in a top or for the top ten of the draft. Usually, like the bottom three, like or seven, eight, nine, ten are usually the worst ones. But I think with who is there with Penny Sewell, with Amara St. Brown, with a lot of those guys, I think. Especially in the near future, one, two, like next year and the year after, and especially this year, giving them some development. I think it's really going to be well for when we do move on from Jared Goff and then when we do get a new quarterback or when we do kind of switch up a little bit. Because I think Dan Campbell's attitude with kind of like how they're going to approach this season, along with what these guys bring and kind of like what their mentality is already going into. Because I know I'm in Ross St. Brown. I mean, if you've ever heard the story of him, his dad is basically grilled into him just to be a hard worker. But AC Wells is one of the best like trench guys to come out of this draft, and he's really solid. I think, and Dan Campbell believes that games are won in the trenches. So having him be there, I think that's a really good uh, sign, especially for seeing like how much trust he's going to be putting in these guys. So I think Lions won our draft. I don't think they are the winner of the draft, but I think they definitely are one of the people who won their draft. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think a lot of a lot of analysts said we def- the Lions had a top ten draft, which I think I think that's a pretty fair number. I don't think it was the best, but I definitely think it was above average because I think you got to give Campbell and Holmes credit. They did everything that you should do, not necessarily the fans want, but that you should do when you take over a franchise, build it from the trenches out, which really is super important. Uh, I would say that there's a couple of teams that definitely dominated this draft. I'll, I think there's two in the NFC North that really did well outside of us. I'm not going to mention them because, of course, we don't talk about them as Lions fans. I'll throw out the Cleveland Browns. I thought they had a pretty good draft. I mean, get a guy like Greg Newsom in the first round, a lockdown corner, very smart guy. And then they end up getting Jeremiah Usukoromoa um, in the second round, which was a really shocking thing because he was hypothetically top 20, top 25 pick for sure number one linebacker on the board he falls out of the first round completely and almost out of the second round and then we learned later it's because of a heart condition which was really a, uh, one of the red flags that teams had not to draft him but I mean Cleveland Cleveland taking a, a chance on him I think is a perfect place because I mean they got they're really making their secondary very very smart they got John Johnson from the Rams who's a very very smart co- corner um and that can play safety as well like he's a very very smart guy he can ball hawk he can do all the great things uh, and just adding a guy like Jeremiah Wusukoromo to that system makes that defense even more lethal. And that's really the the one thing that they've kind of been a little iffy on is sometimes their defense shows up like the Raiders game where they hold them to three points, or sometimes they just 
they just can't stop anybody like pretty much a lot of the other games last year. So helping that defense out. Now they're really getting saying, hey, Baker, we're getting you the tools on the defensive side. If you can make it happen, we're going to make a run. And then, of course, they get Anthony Schwartz as well to support him at receiver. Uh, I think they would have. There's a lot of better wide receiver spots. They probably could have went. I think Anthony Schwartz might be a little on the touch overrated, but he might turn out underrated. I don't know. He's not as much of a well-known guy coming out of Auburn compared to some of the other guys that were still on the board. But uh, I think the Cleveland Browns had a good draft, and I think especially at Cleveland with the draft being there, I think that definitely satisfied the fan base. But there's definitely some other teams in the NFC North, like the Bears, that I think had a pretty good draft. I mean, getting Justin Fields, thank goodness for Bears fans. That was excellent. I had so many texts from Bears fans that were so excited, and they should be. Justin Fields is a great quarterback. Uh, and then, of course, the Vikings as well, trading back and still getting Christian Derrissaw. And then you get Kellen Mond, which is a very interesting pick, but that's going to light a fire under Kirk Cousins now to play better. So I think those two teams also had a great draft, but I won't give them too much credit because at the end of the day, we are going to try to beat them twice a year. So got to keep a little that humble, you know? I'll be very, I'm saying this on the record right now. Justin Fields turns out to be the way how I think he is. Hey, man, just say, I, I literally said we should have got him, but I think he's going to be a great player. The Bears, that's all they were missing was a, a quarterback. They have a Super Bowl defense. I mean, they went through, like, what, four QB1s? Yeah. They went 12 and He's awful. You know my rants about it. Oh, my gosh. Nick Foles was supposed to be good, but he didn't really pan out. He didn't yeah. really do good. Then you got Andy Dalton, too. That was QB1. A couple Andy Dalton. Ago. He still thinks know, in like... his mind he's going to be QB1. That's the funny part. Oh, Andy, hope for the best. But I think, I don't know, I like the Bears the Bears draft, too, especially with Justin Fields, because I think he's going to bring something that they haven't had there for a while. Mm-hmm. It's like a mobile, a mobile, young, and like versatile quarterback. Because... Even when Jay Cutler was there, he wasn't known for being a kind of a mobile guy. He was kind of more oh. of the, <laughs> more, he's a traditional. No, 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 I just haven't heard that name in so long. Oh, man. Travis's face when you just said that was hilarious. That was their last guy that was actually like their main kind of like. No, it's true. Stay for a while franchise guys. So we'll see if Justin Fields can like overcome it. I think he's really going to have a chip on his shoulder though, because I, I think he was thinking he was going to be taken sooner than that. Sooner oh than yeah, the Bears got, and I, yeah. I think that's what's going to really fuel him, and I, and with that's going to really work out for the Bears because I, we know that Justin Fields when he has a chip on his shoulder plays it very solid because I, he, oh I have a fly in front of me, <laughs> <laughs> I have a fly fly right in front of my camera. Um, but like when, when they lost to Clemson, he played lights out for like that whole next year. I mean, they ended up losing uh, to Alabama in the in the final in the championship. But when they went to go play Clemson, he still played lights out and he still played very well. So when he really has something to work for and when he has a chip on his shoulder, I'm I'm kind of scared for when he has to come to Detroit to play because there's going to be a lot of teams that he has marked down that he's really going to try to show out against. And that's the thing. Another team I want to actually say that was a sleeper to me. I know I've been going against all the time but the Patriots drafted very very well I gotta give Bill Belcher credit getting Matt Jones I don't know what it is about the punchy white guys no offense to those guys up there but he just fits in those systems for Bill Belichick but Matt Jones just gives me Brady vibes just the way how he came in sitting behind Jalen Hurts and Tua collecting rings while sitting behind them but, you know, all these years and finally a senior year going 15-0 and getting the national title in a pandemic year, I think Mac Jones yeah. is going to be very special. And I think um, 
I really think he's going to start at some point this year. I think they, the only reason they re-signed Cam was because they wanted an insurance and policy just in case they couldn't draft a quarterback. They just wanted to make sure they had at least somebody there. But I think Mac Jones, he's going to definitely be the guy of the future. Potentially Mac Jones versus Brady week four. Bucks uh, play New England. So as Brady said, yeah. it's when your high school friends meet your college they, uh, friends. Yeah, weren't the uh, um, weren't the tickets for that game going for like an insane amount of money? Yeah. I think the lowest ticket like, is like fifteen hundred. It's like ridiculous. Yeah, I know like they're in the thousands for like the lowest one, yeah. which is absolutely <laughs> absurd. It's yeah. crazy. But Mac Jones when he was walking like from like the room yeah. like the main stage, looks like when you when someone holds a door open for you but like you're like thirty feet away. <laughs> yeah, like, that, yes. like in between walk jog. That's what he looked like, because he was, like, moving his arms really fast, and he was walking, and that's the only thing I could think about, that whole, that whole like, <laughs> 10 seconds of him walking. Fantastic. It's like in prank videos. It's like that awkward moment. It's like, oh, I don't want to be, you know, an a-hole and just, like, hold it, but it's like, they're so far away. Yeah. yeah. Uh, what do I do here? That's a oh, great man. description, but flip the script yeah. now. Teams that did not do so hot, the losers of the 2021 draft. I think there's a very... Very obvious choice here. Travis, are you going to take the obvious choice? Yes, Brent. I think I really believe in my heart the obvious choice was actually, um, it's, it's really tough for me to say, but I'm going to actually say the Giants. I think they can Oh, wow. Okay. This is a shocker. I know it's a shocker by some people. Some people said that the Giants drafted up better, but I just really think um, they could have did a lot more. Like, um, a few was like a little bit predictable. You know, I do like, in a way, the wide receiver pick, but I really think, you know, this is just me, Daniel Jones, Danny Dimes, as they call him, is not the guy. I think they should try to go quarterback and um, more offensive line to him to protect Saquon since he is going to be the franchise when he comes back. I just think they could have went a little bit better. Overall, it wasn't, like, too bad, but it was pretty bad compared to everyone else. I mean, Aaron Robinson, obviously the cornerback from um, uh, UCF, decent and other guys like they could have I, I feel like uh, went better and I just feel like the trading they shouldn't have traded with Chicago to get um Tony the wide receiver from uh Florida that's why like they should have saved that pick for later on but that's my personal that's my TED talk I think the Giants could have did better TED talk nice <laughs> uh, I gotta say my loser is probably the Texans most likely okay Especially, I mean, they did most of what they had, not having any round one or round two draft picks at all. But, like, just with what they got, I just don't see, like, much upside potential. Other than, like, other than maybe Nico Collins or, like, yeah, that's about it. Because, like, Davis Mills, the quarterback from Stanford, I don't know if he's... I didn't really pay attention to him too much, but like, <laughs> all I know is like, like all I know is Nico Counts is all right, but like they really got to get something going here because they just they gave away basically everything for the future because for some reason they just I guess like they just gave everything away. So I don't know. That's that's my loser. I don't think they're. I think they're gonna be a loser for the next coming years too. So yeah, I think that was a pretty obvious choice. I'm surprised that you guys didn't go with the pretty much i think the analyst consensus and that would be the raiders for what they did i mean i don't know what in the world that front office is doing it is gruden and mayock i don't i don't know if they're seeing eye to eye it's just kind of like a miss i don't know exactly what's going on but there's two things that we've definitely found out 
They pick players that play in the championship game, regardless of what what place they are on the big board. If they played in the national championship game, boom, bump them up 20 spots automatically because big games make big players. I guess that's their motto. And really, like, they just find a way to, you know what? Hey, they're not going to take a guy in the second or third round. We're going to catch him off guard by taking him in the first and screw everybody up. But then everybody said, wait, wait. What did you guys just do? I mean, the Alex Leatherwood pick, it's fine. Honestly, it's a good pick. It's just he's not a round one guy. I, I don't want to, like, give disrespect to him. I think he's a great player. But as far as, like, value goes, he's a second, third round guy. I would say that if you would flip. Now, with Trayvon Morig falling and you taking him in the second round, there there's a good, there's a good nice little piggyback to save him a little bit. But, I mean, the funny thing is, like, if you flip-flop those two guys, you put Morrig in the first, is a first-round pick when they pick him at 17 or 18 or whatever their number was. I think it was 17. And then you pick Leatherwood in the second round, nobody's having a problem with anything. Like, it's like, oh, yeah, they did pretty good. But then they follow it up and take basically two more safeties. Like, you only have so many safeties on your roster. Like, and you have so many other needs on the defensive side of the ball. What are you doing? What what exactly are you trying to do? Are you trying to be the best safety team in the NFL? Because you're on your way to it, but you're not going to be the best football team when you got 30 safeties on your roster and 23 extra players. That doesn't even get you to fill all the other spots. So I don't know what the Raiders are doing. And they, I've talked to one of my buddies, uh, Brendan. We call him Raider Nation for a reason. He's a diehard Raiders fan. He was just as confused as everybody else was, and he told me he was very upset, and I feel sorry for him. If you're watching this, Brendan... I'm sorry that you have to deal with this because this is rough for Raiders fans. The black hole just doesn't seem to have the juice anymore because things are just getting way, way more confusing and way, way, way more disappointing. Yeah, I mean, you both make a great, great, uh, definitely great points. I think the Raiders, that was the one I did see a lot on ESPN. John Gruden, I don't know, like, if he just, like, is doing this on purpose. Like, some guys, they do such a bad job. It's almost like... Are you trying to be bad on purpose? Like, are you allergic to winning? Like, <laughs> it's not in your philosophy or something, but I just think he's doing anything he can to be fired at this point. I, that draft completely to me made no sense. The Raiders were actually going to be my next uh, option to say, but yeah, John Gruden, I don't know. <laughs> I really don't know. They spent all their money on that new stadium. They can't spend any money on their draft picks at all. They got to get the, <laughs> they got to get the lesser known guys. <clears throat> He needs to spend some money on getting a peace of mind. <laughs> for a half off these days, no, I'm just kidding. But, uh, um, but yeah. Yeah, I think I think John Gruden just has his own little, like, alphabetical list, and he just goes out through one night and labels them 1 through 253 or whatever, and that's his big board. He doesn't even look at any other big board. He just makes his own, probably with some with some good old-fashioned pencils on some, like, like, I don't even know, like a poster board or just something like that. I would like to see what their their draft board looks like because, boy, it's confusing year after year. Cleland Farrell, Damon Arnett, and Ooh. now you take Alex Leatherwood. What is what is with the value of these picks? There, I'll tell you, there is none, and it doesn't make any sense. But before I rant any longer about the Raiders, we should probably get to another segment. So we'll go to the NBA, yeah. but first... I would like to tell you about one of Bulldog Radio's other podcasts called Podstock. Check out Evan and um, Jax in their music podcast at Bulldog Radio. Support them on Spotify, Anchor, or Apple. They are very good at what they do, and they like to talk music. So if you like music, check them out for sure. But shameless moving plug. in to... Yeah, shameless plug. Of course, we love shameless plugs on this show. But now moving into... 
the NBA. And boy, this is a great time to talk about this. I don't know if you guys watched it. We are recording this on Thursday night. We are referring to the Wednesday night game, the Lakers against the Warriors. I know I watched the entire thing. I know Travis did too. Joe, I don't know how much you caught of it, but I'm sure you caught the highlights at least because you are definitely a guy that follows sports. It was fantastic. It was really lived up to the hype. It came down to the wire. It was a great game. And and anyway, the Lakers ended up winning it. And now they're going to be securing their spot in the seventh seed. But the first question is, boys, watching all these playing games so far, we have some coming up tonight and tomorrow, Thursday and Friday, of course, to solidify the playoffs going into Saturday. Is this play in tournament so far been a success for the league and the sport altogether? I think definitely. I think, um, I know LeBron didn't like it at first, I think mainly because he was in the playing game. But Adam yeah. Silver was looking at the bigger picture. The fact that the Warriors are in the down year and the Lakers just had injuries that still like derailed them to the seeding that they're in now, you were able to still take us Warriors versus Lakers, LeBron versus Steph. They play each other four times in the finals, and this is a playing game. And last night was probably already the greatest playing game in the history of the playing game just in the second year. So I think it's a great thing, and also it's giving teams like the ninth and 10th seed an opportunity to make the playoffs. But I can also see the narrative when someone says, well, it's kind of BS because, like, you work all season to make the playoffs and you make the eighth seed. Why do I have to play, like, another consolation game, you know, solidify our spot? So I can kind of see it from both ways. The only reason, me personally, I hope they don't keep it that much longer because I do think it's kind of defeating the purpose of the regular season ending. But as far as this year, I think it was great entertaining and, like, the Warriors and Lakers, great uh, green. Yeah, I think it's a little bit of both, too, because it's kind of trying to prevent tanking, right? Like, for those ones that are kind of on, like, the cusp of making it, and then, like, they know that, like, the, the playoffs are kind of out of their reach near the end, so they just kind of like, okay, let's just, like, play bad so we can get a little bit better of a draft stock. So, yeah, I, I like it both ways, just kind of, like, seeing that it gives a little bit more competition, a little bit more, like, excitement near the end of the season, start of the playoffs, and kind of that transition a little bit. But also, like you said, Travis, it makes, like, the eight seed who really worked hard to get there and to be able to get to that spot where it's, like, yeah, I'm solid, I'm in the playoffs, to now have to play another game where they might get kicked out. It's just going to be, like, it just kind of adds to another spot where it's like, well, I don't understand what the point of the playing game is if, like, or, like, what the point of making the eight seed is if I still have to play it. So I get kind of both sides of that, but regardless, I like it a lot, especially with this year, too, having such, having, like, Warriors and Lakers, that solid, like, show-stopping, like, uh, ticket-selling game kind of, like, on the start. I really liked it, but... I mean, at first when Horn- when the Hornets and Pacers played and it was just a blowout, I was like, maybe this playing game is not the right thing to go for. But uh, kind of quickly changed once I saw like the Spurs and Grizzlies, Warriors and Lakers and stuff. And I'm excited to see the watch the Pacers and Wizards play probably the second half after we finish the podcast. And also one thing I will add too to kind of go on a recap of the game, that was the best game I already watched all year. Even though I was a little disappointed in the outcome because I was rooting for uh, Steph and uh, Golden State. What a game. I don't know if you guys, if you guys saw the finish. LeBron got the game-winning uh, three, basically, in the end with one eye. Draymond had, like, kind of, like, got him in the eye, and LeBron said he was seeing three rims, so he just tried to shoot the one in the middle. Go for the middle as one. An MJ, <laughs> as an MJ and Kobe guy as I am, I got to give LeBron credit. That was a very clutch shot, and that makes him 97 clutch shot makes in either a go-ahead or him to tie the game in the last 25 years. The only person ahead of him is, like, Kobe Bryant with one-on-one, so... That was a great overall game. I wish Steph had more help. I, I just felt bad for him. It was basically Steph and a bunch of YMCA guys. No offense to those guys out there, but that's what it felt like. He was just trying to do anything. So I'm excited for when Clay comes back next year. But 
that was a great game, a great one by the Lakers. Great second half comeback because they were down by 13 at the half. It was a great overall game. Definitely the best defensive game of the year so far. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I would it say. Is solid. Sorry, Brandon, I, you can go first. No, you're good. I, I was just about to say, I'm glad you brought up that up, Joe, because I was when I was watching the Pacers-Hornets game, especially with the thought of Charles Barkley getting out his guaranteed horn on inside the NBA, guaranteeing the Hornets to win, and then they end up getting blown out by 35. I uh, was a little bit skeptical. Like, what, what exactly? Is this going to make this tournament a little bit more weird? I don't know. I don't know what to expect. And then watching some of this these games, I'm like, oh, okay. This is actually pretty neat. I think it's a little weird, though, that um, I know I, I know the concept of the 9-10, um, that game, and then they going up to play up. Um, I think it definitely brings down a little bit of the, the, the overall competition as far as the 7-8 game. Because I think, I mean, when you looked at, like, the Celtics and the Wizards, that game right there. I mean, Jason Tatum also, absolutely fantastic. That guy's going to be a stud. Putting up a 50-burger, as we quote our buddy Barrett Jones, a 50-burger. And and just putting on the show that he did that that Celtics team is very good and they're they're really they're really a team to watch but we'll get into that segment here in a minute but like seeing Westbrook and Beal and those guys kind of struggle a little bit and then it, later in the fourth quarter I'm sure a lot of people saw us on social media like Russell Westbrook left the floor he just went to the locker room like and the game was still going on like the the kind of the consensus of the seven eight are uh, the seven eight seeds is it's like oh well. Either way, we're gonna play either the top two games. So if we're if we're losing, it's like, oh, okay. Let's just see. Let's just kind of let everybody rest a little bit, and we'll get them in the next game. And then that kind of brings off a little bit of the the oh, this is this is the game. We got to go get it. Like it's winner take all. But it's really not because if the weather loser is gonna go around and play theoretically, statistically, a weaker team on paper, the next game with whoever wins the nine ten. Because I think we could agree. That looking at the Western Conference, the Warriors and Lakers are significantly better than the Grizzlies or the Spurs. So theoretically, it's like, oh, well, if we don't beat the Lakers, that's fine. We'll just go go beat the Grizzlies and be an eight seed. So why 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 we should pull guys out then? Which is kind of what we saw with uh, the Wizards. Obviously, the Warriors and the Lakers went down to the wire, so that never happened. Which is, I think, was fantastic. Uh, it's sad to see though that these two teams had to play earlier on and not later in the tournament. But anyway, I think that this turn this play-in tournament with the nine and the ten, obviously the chips are down, but theoretically they should be because they're a nine-ten seed. They're not in the playoffs. They're trying to fight their way in, so they should make more games. I get that, but I think with the care the characteristic of how it's seeded as far as the seven and eight game first, and then who the loser goes down, it can take a little bit of importance off of that first game, knowing you have a comeback. It's like going into a a, yeah. a, a double elimination tournament in whatever sport you're playing. There's a little bit less yeah. pressure knowing that there's another game you can come back from where some of these other teams aren't having that, like the 9 and 10 seeds, because theoretically they're playing, they they win or they go home every game, where the 7 and 8 seed, that first game's not as important. It kind of makes it kind of like an NFL playoff feel like, and then that's why to me, to win a Super it's harder to win a Super Bowl than an NBA championship, even though basketball is my favorite sport because... I do agree with that. It's one game. It's one game. Anything... Could happen if it was the best of seven. Brady might be ten ten and zero in Super Bowls, but all these guys would probably kill themselves because that's just too much football. But my point I'm making is, I think it puts more pressure on the guys. Like for instance, tonight, Joe, you made a good point about Westbrook. He has to perform tonight. Westbrook shot two of fourteen in that second half the other night. All the triple doubles, the stats, that doesn't matter. These games are the ones that matter now because if they lose tonight, a lot of the blame is going to be on him and obviously Bill too. So. I think this is an opportunity for them to step up and potentially, I think they can hang with 
the Sixers, if they uh, beat the Pacers tonight, not saying they can necessarily beat them. I guess I mean, uh, yeah, I, I think they can maybe take a six or seven. I don't know how real the you know the Sixers are. We'll probably get deeper in that in later shows, but I think um that's another thing about the playing games. You know, if you have an awful game, that's the season. Like if Steph, for instance, went two of fifteen yesterday instead of getting thirty-seven points, he would have been ridiculed, saying like, "Oh, well, he can't do it without a super team." It's kind of like difference, you know. In that, so I think uh, the one game brings a lot of pressure, but that also makes it entertaining because anything could happen. That yeah. Warriors team that played the Lakers, they would lose in five games, or maybe you know, if, in, against the Lakers if it was like a real seven-game series. But the fact that it was one game, it was a close game. It came down to a LeBron shot at the end. Yeah, yeah. Westbrook needs to lose the long sleeves. <laughs> Has he always wore know. sleeves? Yeah, he's always wore sleeves. Last- I mean, he has the long sleeve. Like, he had the arm band thing that goes, like, up to here. But he's yeah. never had, like, the long. I think other than, like, this year, he's never, like, worn the long sleeves. And yeah. I don't know if the yeah. long sleeves are the move for him. <laughs> I'm pretty sure he's played worse in the long sleeves. I don't know. Like, he's he, had got, bad, he's... he had a kind of bad game last one, and he was wearing long sleeves. Yeah. Because he I, puts I, up the numbers. Especially stuff. Numbers, but... Stat monster. But I just wanted to see him win. That's all. Yeah, as my friends is they think I troll, but I think he can be a cancer to teams sometimes because people overlook the numbers, and you know it's just not resulting in the wins. He's had a, a total of eight playoff wins in the last five years without Kevin Durant. That's not very good. Yeah, yeah I, I think definitely gonna fix something. Yeah, I think we've definitely talked about this topic before, so you can check that out if you're actually listening to this on our, on the podcast channel. I can't remember what episode is it. Find one with Travis in it. I know we discussed this somewhere, and I know I should probably know this stuff off the top of my head, but I don't, okay? We got things we got to do. But I, I definitely agree. I think that there's some definitely some teams that are going to be in must-win scenarios. I think the Wizards are one of them. Um, kind of going into um, the next subject here, um, we just talked about some of the tops, top contenders. Obviously, we just talked about the, the 76ers. Um, you can obviously throw the Nets in there because really they're the title contenders. Other teams like the Clippers, like the Suns, as far as top teams. But the question is, what are which of these top contenders do you guys see will exit earlier than expected? Joe, let's start with you first. Um, I don't know. I think for like uh, for like the regular teams when they get into like the actual playoffs. Yeah, like. Like you know, looking through the top f- top four seeds as far as each conference, what's one team that you could see being exit early? Um, I could see the Knicks exit early, especially playing Atlanta. I think it's gonna be a toss up uh, for that series. I could see them going out pretty early. I mean, it, w- it would stink because they're actually having a good season for once, and they kind of turned it around, especially after so many people were like done with the Knicks. Brooklyn's my team now. I think that kind of fueled them a little bit, but. I can definitely see them, especially the. I I think they're really even with Atlanta. I mean, it's like the four and five. It's the four five game, so like it's kind of a toss up either way. I could see them going out. I could also see. I could see Denver going out as well. I think if Portland has strings a couple of games together, Melo plays really well. Damian, uh, Dame Dalla comes in clutch, and it's Dame time most of the time. It's Dame time all the time, really. I think <laughs> if they string, string open a couple games. Yeah, Brandon, you know what time it is. Uh, I think if they string uh, together a few games, a couple stops in key in, in key situations, I could see Denver going out early. Is it is it gonna happen? Probably not, but I could definitely see it. I could definitely see it. 
Well, Joe, you do make a good point, because even though sometimes it is Dame time, Dame is a great first-round player. I can't speak from outside of the first round, but first round, he does have some very great shots. I'll give you that. It's true. But the team for me, sadly, I love Devin Booker. Grand Rapids, Michigan, but it's going to be the Suns. I'm going to tell you why. The Lakers are getting healthy. They're going to beat the Suns in about, I'm going to say, five to six games. I'm going to respect Chris Paul because he's had an MVP-type season. It's sad because Chris Paul, to me, the Suns are very, very good this year. I hate it had to be them, but I don't really see the Lakers losing in the first round. And as a two seed with the season the Suns had, it's a shame, but I, I think they're going to lose this series in uh, five or six games. I think that's a clear team that's going to go out. And potentially the Warriors could beat the Jazz if the Warriors win tomorrow against the Grizzlies. Isn't this the first time Chris Paul and LeBron have met in the postseason? Yes. And it's also, this is, the I believe, the sixth time, I could be wrong, that Chris Paul has played the defending champion the following postseason. So, I love Chris Paul. I just feel bad for him because he always gets unlucky. Because he's just having another great season at age 36 showing what he can do. Yeah. And his reward is LeBron and AD. Every, every team that he's yeah. gone to, like that he's taken over really, haven't they gotten a better, like a better record than the year before? Almost every time. Yeah. Every time the Suns, the Thunder, the Thunder had a 2% chance to make the postseason in the 2019-2020 season. The Rockets um, up their record by at least, I think it was over 10 plus games. He's just done this, even with the Clippers too, they were awful. So Chris Paul's definitely, um, you know, he's definitely securing his uh, stuff as, as a first round ballot Hall of Famer for sure. Yeah, I, I really do feel bad for Phoenix because they don't deserve to play the Lakers. They should be playing another team. Um but I will say that I will stay also in the Western Conference. But I will, I will, I will, I will say the number one seed, the Utah Jazz. I could honestly see them exiting early. But it's really going to depend on what I think is going to happen, which I think the Warriors are going to bounce back and beat Memphis to get into the eight seed. But that's that's a scary matchup. I mean, Steph right now is the best player in basketball. I'm not saying he's the MVP. I'm not saying anything about that nature, but I'm saying right now at this very moment, he's playing the best basketball in the NBA as far as what he's doing with that Warriors team. I think as far as you could definitely put him in the MVP conversation, don't have to put him at the top, but you have to admit what he's doing right now at the Warriors is one of the best things we've ever seen as far as carrying the load for a team and taking them so far without Clay and now without KD since the glory years. He's doing a fantastic job. The numbers he's putting up are phenomenal. He's really the spark plug of that team, which we saw against the Lakers last night. Lakers didn't honestly play as great as they should have, and the Warriors really gave it to him and gave them fits early on. The Lakers did adjust very well at the end and end up winning the game with that clutch shot. But, I mean, them playing the Jazz, I mean, looking at what the Jazz have done at the, the near the end of the season, they haven't played great against top-tier playoff teams. They lost to Dallas. They lost at Phoenix. They lost against the Wizards, who might be a playoff team in the East. They lost to the Suns. They lost to the Lakers. They haven't necessarily played up to the competition level as far as playing against good against some of these playoff teams as of late. They've been they've been a little sluggish. I mean, Joe Ingles has been great. Uh, some of those other guys haven't been as great. I mean, Donovan Mitchell's been good. Um, some, Rody Gobert's been good. But outside of those guys, like Mike Conley, those guys haven't been stepping up in the roles. And if you got, you're playing a hot team like Steph and those guys that are playing at a really good level right now and they're playing their best basketball right now at the end of the season where the Jazz were the best team at the beginning of the season. Now they're cooling off. So I could see that being a, a situation where the Warriors might come in and steal away the party from the Jazz and make this tournament very interesting. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Yeah. 
And also, uh, um, you know, the Jazz to me are equivalent to the 2015 Hawks that went 16 22, then got swept in the conference finals. I, I don't think no one's really taking the Jazz seriously, so that's a good point. That is true. So now going to the other side, Dark Horse picks to win the whole thing as far as teams we not necessarily looking at as far as title contenders that might make a run in this year's tournament. I will say that there's a good chance Boston could make a run. Now, of course, they're going to play Brooklyn and all the teams as far as the Eastern Conference. You're looking at some teams lower down in seeding that have not played as well as the Celtics have. And that I would definitely pick the Celtics if they weren't picking who probably will win the chip overall as the Nets when theoretically they should. But if they weren't picking who probably will win the chip overall as the Nets when theoretically they should. But I mean, there's I I mean the Knicks are good. I don't think they're going to make it all the way. They don't have the firepower late in games. Julius Randle's great, but he's not going to be the type of closer you need. He's not Dame. He's not Steph. He's not LeBron. He's not KD. He's not any of those guys. They need a guy to close out games. D. Rose is good, but they're going to need more out of it. Atlanta, nah, I don't believe in them that much. I mean, out of all these other teams, Boston's played the best out of all of them, and we saw that especially against the Wizards. I don't think it ended up going to happen, but theoretically if it did, I mean, you look at the teams they might have to play later on, they could make a roll. I'm not saying it could, it might happen, but theoretically, if it does, the road gets a lot easier if you want after you beat the Nets. I will say that 100%. But they got to get through the Nets first. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, that's gonna be one definitely to watch for. I am excited to see uh, them to like what they're gonna be able to do, especially facing Brooklyn, who I think is probably one of the is arguably. They could have been number one. They could be topping Philadelphia right now if it wasn't for Joel Embiid. But I think a team who I'm definitely going to be watching out for is probably Portland, like I said. If they string together a few, this might be Dame to kind of make it past the, make it past the first round and play really well. And I think especially playing against Denver, who have been known to kind of let a few games go by, have been known to let a few slip through the fingers, I think they can make it to the first round. Dame, he's unfamiliar with kind of making a pass that, or he's not unfamiliar, but he's unfamiliar with kind of producing in the second round to get passed against those good teams. But nonetheless, I think that could happen. Another team also is probably Dallas. I know they're playing the Clippers first with Kawhi and Paul George, but nonetheless, I, I mean, Luka, when he plays in the, I mean, haven't seen too much of him in the playoffs yet, but nonetheless, he's a solid player who he has been able to take over and he has like all the support that he needs there. With any, I think he just loves that team, and that team has just been playing pretty solid so far this year. So those are the two teams I'm definitely gonna be keeping my eye out uh, for for this playoffs uh, series. Yeah, I would agree with you, Joe, for sure. I think Dallas is Dallas was one on my list for sure that I would say because I mean, if they ended up beating uh, the Clippers, I mean, obviously the reason I didn't pick that is the track record. We know Dallas doesn't play well against the yeah. Clippers literally every year, so. That was one reason I didn't pick them. But, I mean, after that, I mean, you're talking playing Utah, and then theoretically, what if Golden State loses? Now it's going to be either Utah or Memphis. Those are those are favorable matchups if you want to play teams right now as far as Memphis doesn't necessarily have the firepower like the like Dallas does, and they have Luka. And, I mean, and then, of course, I just mentioned the Jazz aren't necessarily as hot as they were beginning. So I think that's also a good selection. Travis, who do you think is going to be a dark horse pick? 
I think, well, my original pick is the Nets. I think the Nets are going to win the championship. It's either going to be them or the Clippers. But the dark horse, I really think, is the Los Angeles Lakers. I can't ignore them. I think with LeBron and AD getting healthy, especially if they do end up beating the Suns, this can kind of be a series for them to get their mojo back and really make a run. I would say Boston, like you, if Jalen Brown was there. If Jalen Brown wasn't out for the season, I would definitely say Boston just because I think it's too much work on Tatum and Kimba. Even though he played amazing the other night, he hasn't been consistent this year. Kimba's been below average. He's definitely be- better than what he's you know doing. So I, I got to go with the Lakers. You know, realistically, they could be the first ever seven seed to do it. I don't think it will happen, but that is something I can't ignore. So I would say um, them at the seven seed as a dark horse. Yeah, that's definitely a good pick. I I definitely overlooked them as yeah they're a seven seed. They they could be considered a dark horse. So. Um, I think that is also a good pick. Uh, now moving into Major League Baseball, but first we got to plug me and Joe. We have to plug our own podcast, right, Joe? Shameless plug always. So check Shameless out plug. me and always be plugging. Always yeah, be plugging. so check out our podcast, the most valuable sports podcast. Um, wherever you get your podcast, you can see all of the different platforms right now flashing on your screen. Uh, Spotify and Apple, of course, are on there because those are the way too popular. But into MLB we go. Uh, Tigers fans. You know what we're talking about the last three days. It has been absolutely fantastic. And I will admit, I was not able to watch that game. <clears throat> Thanks, Dish, um, for taking away Fox Sports Detroit. So I wasn't able to watch history. Uh, Spencer Turnbull so... threw a no-hitter, and I couldn't see it because of Dish Network. Red I'm ball. sorry. I Red absolutely ball. can't believe that happened. But anyway... It was fantastic. I got to rewatch lots of it and watch all the outs and watch most of the game. Fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. Can't be happier for Spencer Turnbull throwing the fifth major league no-hitter of the season, which then ended up getting extended to six thanks to Corey Kluber Wednesday night. This is absolutely bonkers, fellas. What's going on with these no-hitters? This is absolutely insane. I don't even know. That's four, that's four this uh, this month. That's four this, this month. Which it's is crazy. crazy. My God! What's the most in a season? Seven, maybe. Eight? I think it's seven in an entire season. This, this ball, been six. Just, we're only two the months balls in. Just changed too, weren't they? The balls were yeah. changed to favorite yeah. pitchers. Yeah. Six in the side of May That's saying, but that could they, be the, that could be the difference. Oh, the anti juice. No hitter back. <laughs> a no hitter back to back days. And like I said yeah. before the show, I was very even though I do like the Yankees. I was disappointed that they had a no-hitter right after the Tigers, Spencer Turbo. Just because, you know, we're blue-collar city, guys. Like, so anytime we get an opportunity to kind of, like, show off a little bit, EVE, you know, EVE, you know let us, like, everybody. be in the spotlight. It's just as soon as the New York or Miami or L.A. team, they come and take our spotlight. You know, they kind of, you know, they're like the fancy meal, and we're kind of like, you know, the not-so-good appetizer. So it's just like, you know, what can we do? But um, We're the McDonald's. They're the, they're the P.F. Change. Like, they're the big... Uh, <laughs> by Wolfgang Puck. They're like the, they're like the five-star restaurant. And we're just the... We're the value meal. No, we're the value meal, really. Yeah, we're like hamburger helper. They're like flame meal. So, but yeah, uh, I feel what you're Brother. Saying, but, no, but I think the no-hitters has been amazing. It shows you how elite the pitches or um, getting in. I mean, like he even said after the game, Spencer, he said this was the coolest night ever. So, like, I actually also have a cool story. One of my friends was at that game in Seattle. I do not know why he was in Seattle. I think maybe visiting somebody. But he was at the game, and when I saw the video, I was like, that's dope, man. And that's also the eighth Tigers no-hitter in history. First one since 2011, JV against the Blue Jays. 
You can yep. see you can see uh, Turnbull's hand shaking when he sets a little bit. He uh. like shakes it a little bit. I just want to yeah. know what his thought process and like what his nerves were going on because I think he got the strikeout with one just like right down. It was like a ninety three right down the middle. It was like cooking and it's swinging a miss and just to just to be able to feel like feel that adrenaline rush and just that kind of like that relief of just like wow i just threw a no hitter like in the the biggest stage in baseball or like in the highest stage of baseball would be something that like i don't i don't think people understand just like how big of an accomplishment and how amazing that is especially when you're playing against teams that you know these <laughs> these guys are paid to hit baseballs and they are the best of the best and to feel the really be the best in that situation to have no hits hit against you absolutely incredible yeah i mean that's it's fantastic as tigers fans we were absolutely ecstatic of course i was upset but that's beyond the point but i mean it was it was a really cool moment yeah i'm gonna i'm i don't know i'm gonna switch to something else man this is this is ridiculous i'm getting sick of dish but uh direct give us a shout out give us a sponsorship uh but anyway i mean (laughs) it it was fantastic tigers fans we should be ecstatic i know i i can relate not i mean i threw a no hitter in high school but i mean it wasn't as a, it's oh, it's okay. nothing flex, like a major league baseball bit, yeah i i know talk but i, I what i was gonna yeah what i was gonna say though is i can relate to like you're there's everybody tells you don't don't tell them don't think about it you don't have to we already know the situation like it's it's like oh it's not like it's not like for the love of the game where Billy Chapel turns to center field at Yankee Stadium in the eighth innings like oh, there's been nobody on base, that's that's weird <laughs> and it's like no we know after the first inning it's like ooh we got a no no going three, one two three right. baby we're on a roll yeah. so it, we know what the situation is and inning at the first yeah that's and I mean. Yeah, and Turnbull said it himself. He's like, "Yeah, I knew, I knew the situation. I was glad you brought that up with the handshaking because he knew the situation. He was like, "Yeah, it's a no hitter. Like, I know what I got to do. Of course, that's gonna be a huge, huge. It, I can't, I can't describe, and of course, can't relate to how he was feeling because that's absolutely crazy. I think the only thing, of course, yeah. you could probably make an argument that was higher was Galarraga that I know we were talking about a little bit before the show, talking about some of this stuff where." perfect game on the line a little bit significantly higher than a no hitter but still all in all well, absolutely he fantastic perfect game. Yeah. Just he did have the perfect game we don't need we don't need to discuss that though uh does that mean jim joyce is equivalent to dish jim joyce is the dish of tv networks as far as umpires but also a thing like when a no hitter is going on he's not as bad as oh okay then what's angel hernandez He's like, like the, he's like the uh, satellite. He's like satellite. Ah, he's cable. He's straight cable. When a no hitter is going on, it's like one of those superstitions. It's like whatever you're doing, <laughs> you're trying to stay that and like not like yeah. trying to, you know. You can't you know, say do anything. it either. You like, can't like, say it. Like what no. I'm saying is like if your friends are texting you saying like, oh, is a no hitter going on? It's like the bottom of the six. You can't respond. You can't be like. No. Because you know, it's like you, you don't want to do anything to mess it up because trust no. me, I've been in that situation. I've called people during the game. Like you see what's going on, then they get a hit down the left field. I'm like, oh. You know, yeah, so it's like as soon as like the uh, as like ESPN or something, they're like, like this, like I think it was JV, I think it was in I think it was a year before he got traded to Houston, he had a no hitter against like the Rangers or something into like seven innings. And ESPN was like, Oh, we have a we have like a no hitter on the watch, like Justin Verlander against the Rangers. And then I was like, Oh, no way, I didn't, I forgot that they were playing. Like, so I clicked on it first batter that he faced, like, once I clicked onto it. 
just a bloop single. And I was like, why do you do that? You know, <laughs> why do you have to do that? And it's like, it's crazy to see the superstitions too. Is like, because if anybody says in the dugout, if any of the announcers say like, oh, hey, like there's a no hitter going on. And it's like, okay, like now it's, you're, now it's you're going to get crucified because you can't, you can't let it, people, like you can let people know, but you can't say words no hitter uh-huh. outright or perfect game outright because then it won't. I always notice it's like the opposing announcer. They'll be like, oh, you know, just they obviously don't sound as excited because, you know, they're the opposing team. Yeah, they're, they're the no hitter. Nope. I'm like, oh, but no, that, it's been great. Like to have six no hitters by May 20th is ludicrous. You know, I think that's and plus to have it on back to back days is is insane. So uh, I'm just happy the Tigers are a part of some good success. And also we've won eight out of our last ten, you know. Playing really solid. <laughs> we've been playing for the record that we have, we've been playing really solid. Yeah. Just sw- sweeping Seattle, sweep, sweep. I wasn't gonna say sweepless. I was gonna say sweepless in Seattle, but then it meant that we wouldn't have had a sweep. But sweep in Seattle. <laughs> yeah, no, Tiger social media threw a little shade. I loved, I love that sweep, sweep the Mariners off the plate. I love that. There's, we're yeah. throwing shade. We're confident, baby. We've won what eight of our last ten. Keep yeah, it rolling, baby. Keep it rolling. Let's keep it going. But. Um, of course, we'll get into more MLB as the summer goes on because we're only two months in. Of course, there's going to be talks about what's going on, but we're going to have all summer to do that. One also, thing, though. Do have oh. one thing to add before you um, get into the next topic. For the Royal Oak Leprechaun, since we were just talking about baseball, there are $5 okay. tickets for anyone in Metro Detroit. If you'd love to see uh, me host and report the games, Memorial yeah. Park and Royal Oak, all you have to do is type in royaloakleprechauns.com. Yeah, check out Shameless, Shameless Plug. Plug. Of course, we're the king of them. I love it, Travis. But yeah, check out the Royal Oak Leprechauns for sure. If you love Detroit, you love Metro Baseball, go watch. It's absolutely fun. Uh, Going into our last baseball topic, there was a little bit of interesting news going on as far as transactions go. And I'm really curious to hear what Joe has to say about this because I think I I have an idea of where where your your thoughts are, Joe. But I want to make sure. Albert Pujols deciding not to go back home to St. Louis like everybody wanted and instead goes ring chasing and signs with the Dodgers. Joe, what are your thoughts on Pujols to the Dodgers? I don't really understand it, to be honest, because he already has the ring in, in St. Louis. He's one of the main reasons why he got it. So it's not like he needs one. not like he's ringless. I mean, it saves money on the home, on the for him buying a home. He doesn't have to buy a new one. He can just drive down the old highway and get down to Dodger Stadium. <laughs> but like, I think it would have been a lot better of a story for him to go back to St. Louis and for people to see and just like to have that hometown crowd be like, oh, like he's back. Like, kind of have that reunion, having him back for his last couple for I say max two years, or sorry, max three years. Like maybe two left in the league, but and to be honest, he he hasn't really been producing as much as like he usually is. So I don't know why he would go to the Dodgers because it's not like he's gonna be a a big like a big guy that's producing. I mean, Bellinger's there. I guess it's just taking over first base for them because Bellinger was like switching between first base and uh, the outfield. So I guess now they'll just move him there. But I don't know. I don't like it because I would have rather them see in St. Louis and kind of been like the hometown guy again and just kind of where he got his start. But nonetheless, he's saving money on buying a home. He just wants the ring, which is kind of like the default thing now is just for a lot of players like like Bauer. He just wants the ring, so he's going to go to the Dodgers. He wants uh, 
I don't know. It, it gets frustrating just because, like, of, without being a salary cap, it's just, like, a lot of these big-name players who, like, are pretty solid, but can just go to big teams they can pay him. And I'm not a huge fan of it, but if if he wants to go do what he wants to do, then I guess LA's the move. No, Joe, you definitely make, you know, every point. I think that's the problem, honestly, in all sports, mainly in basketball. We see a lot of ring chasing, but Albert Pujols, he's obviously a Hall of Famer. And I don't really get it. Like you said, he already has the ring. You know, he has a bunch of records. You know, he's one of the all-time greatest hitters. I just don't really – I would personally want him to go back to St. Louis. You know, I was a fan, you know, all the um, trips that they've had, you know, the NLCS and obviously to the World Series. I remember watching those uh, when I was younger. So I just really thought that was, like, the move. But obviously they always pull okey-doke on us. You know, they go somewhere else. But yeah, um, I think a lot of people just want to be, you know, in the big city. They, they want to be in L.A., you know, so – I get it. He wants to be in a big market, have great weather year-round, you know, but um, I do wish he would have went back. But, yeah, it's definitely a part of the ring chasing because the doubters are trying to go back-to-back. So, you know, I don't uh, – just I respect them trying to pull out their big guns and, you know, trying to recruit the best possible roster to, you know, shake the balance to give them a heads-up. So, Yeah, I would absolutely agree. I think um... – I, I, I will admit, I wanted him to go back to St. Louis so bad. Because, I mean, St. Louis is doing good right now. Like, they're they're in contention right now in they're NL Central. They're like, they're not bad. They're playing good baseball. So, I thought they would only elevate them. But, I mean, if you look theoretically at the depth chart, it makes sense. Because, I mean, Muncy's your first baseman. I mean, he can play, he can play outfield as well. And you, you're only providing more firepower to that offense. Now you have Pujols who can play first base in rotation with Muncie and even play DH if they want him to. Because they don't necessarily, they have a lot of great guys that can start as far as position players. But after that, they're, they're deaf. Like they have, they have stud firepower. I mean, obviously, you mentioned Bellinger, Betts, Justin Turner, all these guys, Chris Taylor, that can provide all that positional awareness. But after that, like they're, their depth isn't as deep as past, so only getting Albert Pujols only extends that and makes them better. But I mean, I do, I will agree though that the the salary cap being enabled into Major League Baseball has really brought this into kind of more of a money game than it used to be. Because I think going back for a while, baseball was a little bit different as far as 10, 20 years ago, where it wasn't necessarily all money, and it was more about uh, where or what situation you're going in where I'm sure Pujols probably, I'm sure he probably didn't get the most money offered. I would hope not, like, because of what he was given, I think, the 400 k I mean, the guys had uh, just an outstanding career, and I did look this up before we got on the show. I mean, a guy with 667 home runs in Major League Baseball getting $400,000. Yeah, I know his season hasn't been great this year, but... I mean, I would definitely take that flyer for $400,000. Like, that's that's a mm-hmm. given. So it's like, oh, this is a given. Why why is he going? And I think it has to do with he wants to win another ring before he retires. I think that's the really the move that he's making. And the Dodgers are theoretically on paper. I mean, they won last year, should win again. It's like the Lakers. Going, getting these guys like Schroeder, getting Montrez Harrell. It's only adding depth and fuel to run it back. And I think that's what the Dodgers did here. And I think that's what Albert wants. And at the end of the day, as much as we want him to go to the Cardinals, I mean, you can understand. I would, I would like to end a, uh, end off my career on a ring as well. I mean, that'd be pretty cool. Yeah. So I can ignore he's coming. Albert from. Pujols is the only active player from backyard baseball 2003. Right. <laughs> of wow. course, you would know that, Joe. Just to toss that out. <laughs> <laughs> Pablo Sanchez. 
Pablo Sanchez. Pablo Sanchez. If only he was real. He'd be oh man. I'm so. Oh man. What a game. That was a that was a great episode. If you guys haven't missed that, go yeah, check out the Pablo that. Sanchez episode. Absolutely fantastic with Adam Langworthy. Fantastic. But going into our last subject here, we have a beautiful segment for our show called Call Your Shot. It's talented just like it is. It's our debate series that we will finish off every show with. And this week, we're going straight in. We're getting all full-fledged. We're going flaming hot takes right off the get-go, because I'm sure this one's going to get exciting. The most exciting player in baseball. Or just kidding. Football. Just kidding. All sports. This whole thing's wide open, boys. Most exciting player in all sports. Oh, wow. That's... This is, I, a, I mean, that was the category. question thrown at that's us. A wide category. Oh, facts. Yeah. This is, this is hard. Player. Go ahead, Joe. I got to say right now, uh, Shohei Otani. Showtime Otani. Oh, yeah. That's, oh. Leads the league in home runs right now. I think it's like just over two ERA. Yeah, he two ten. The baseball. Mashy. I don't think I've seen a game where he hasn't had like a hit over or a hit under 100 miles an hour exit below. And his shoulders, if you've seen that that picture of him on in the dugout with a cutoff, he's absolutely massive. I think right now, even if you aren't a baseball fan, you've got to respect that what he's doing, being a pitcher and a hitter in the AL, it's, it's so impressive. And for him to just come out basically every time where he has to hit, just absolutely mashing the ball and then to come out as a pitcher and just absolutely sling it and just confuse batters and play as well as he does you can't argue that he is one of the guys who makes baseball exciting right now and he is one of the guys who is going to really bring the longevity of baseball uh, for the next couple of years definitely if he's able to keep this up that's a good pick that's a good pick i was honestly expecting uh you two to go in different directions i'd get shohei otani the third time around but that's a good pick, Joe. You took my pick. I respect it. Travis, <laughs> who do you got? I, I got to go with Chef. I got to go with Steph okay, Curry. Okay, that's Chef, fair. Chef Curry. I think um, what he's doing with basketball is transcending. Since 2014, he's been the best point guard. In my opinion, he's already the greatest point guard in history. You know, the most threes in the NBA Finals history, most threes in postseason history, most threes in a regular season. You know, 402, everything he does, he changed the entire game of basketball. You have high schoolers trying to warm up from the three-point line, you know, close to half court. It, it's ridiculous. So I don't think we'll ever see something like him. And I just I just love his game. You know, the fact that he is, you know, only, I think it's um, 69 three-pointers behind Ray Allen, and he's played uh, over 500 less games. That's, that's ridiculous, you know. So I, I think Steph is um, transcending, and I think he's the most exciting player in sports. Yeah, I would definitely pick. He is Steph is definitely an electric player to watch out on the court. Uh, yeah, right now he's the guy to watch right now in all sports. I mean, what he's doing is fantastic. I respect that pick as well. I don't think you can really make a wrong pick here. I mean, I could say Johnny Manziel, and then you guys, of course, could throw him in the bus, which would make perfect sense. Money man, money man. Hey, he's not doing football no more. That's what he said. He's not doing football no more. That's what he said. So, but um, yeah, we'll see about that. Anyway, uh, I I will I will probably take the consensus third on the top three list as far as right now. I love the Shohei Otani because I think a lot of people would agree, would definitely that necessarily they don't watch baseball as much. They don't fully understand the what Shohei Otani is doing right now is something we haven't seen since Babe Ruth. 
a guy that dominates on the mound yeah. and in the batter's box. We Honestly, haven't seen that in how long. Babe Ruth, I don't even think, was this good uh, in both ways. I mean, Babe I don't know. Still mash. He's still mashed, but like, I don't think his ERA was as good as this. Yeah, Otani is on a, another level right now, but I'll, I'll probably, I'll round out, I would say, I would definitely round out the threesome that would probably be in this conversation, and I would throw in Patrick Mahomes. I mean, this guy in football is, he's hes box office, straight up. And, I mean, he's not necessarily Johnny Manziel box office. He actually plays great football, too, which is even better on his behalf. I mean, this guy, fantastic. Super Bowl champ, Super Bowl MVP, NFL MVP, Offensive Player of the Year, three-time Pro Bowler. And this guy's only been in the year since, or in the league since the year 2017. Like, he's got so much potential, and what he does on the football field, he delivers no-look passes, sidearm. He basically is Stafford on steroids with a fantastic offense around him. It's just so great to see, and it is he's absolutely fantastic. I mean, he's already got 14,000 passing yards, 108.7 career passing rating. This guy's absolutely fantastic to watch. If you want to go down and sit... And watch an NFL game. If you've never watched a football game in your life, go watch the Kansas City Chiefs and watch this dude under center or in shotgun or in pistol or whatever they do because that offense is so fun to watch. And one of the big reasons is because of number 15 under center. Patrick Mahomes, one of the greatest players in football and one of the most exciting, of course, in sports. I like that pick, Brandon. I like that pick. I love both your guys' picks. I think both those guys are amazing. Amazing and electric and young. So, like, these are guys we're going to watch for, you know, the years to come. Great picks. Yeah. I think we picked the consensus, the, th- the three on the top tier list as far as right now. I think we hit all of them yeah. good, which I think they're all great picks. I mean, Steph Curry is the best, definitely the best in sports right now. Shohei Otani is doing something we've never seen before. And, of course, Patrick Mahomes is one of the most exciting guys and biggest moneymakers in sports. So, I think we hit all of them very well. But guys, thank you so much for tuning into this opening episode of Shot Callers, episode one of season two. If you're watching us on YouTube, we appreciate you so much for watching. Um, and if you didn't know this, if you're listening to the podcast version and you didn't know there's a video, here's your here's your announcement. We were, we did a video, and yes, we are an hour and ten minutes. And I finally told you this. I probably should have mentioned it earlier, but I didn't. That's on me. But now you guys know for future, you can watch us live on YouTube on you can watch the entire episode with all of our faces and all the graphics to make it even more spectacular. But we appreciate you podcast listeners well, because you guys are just as important. But guys, anything to leave off the first episode? Good to be back. Good to be back. And definitely good to be back. Love uh, debating and talking sports with you guys. Um, excited for more great content this summer. And uh, check out this uh, video on the Bulldog Radio uh, YouTube page. Yeah, don't forget to subscribe. Uh, weekly nights on Wednesdays. Well, on Wednesdays. Have a good one. Yeah. All right, guys. Take care, everybody.